Cutler Cast, episode 19. We're back. A uh, little hiatus from our New Year's and uh, a little bit of sickness for me. Really? What'd you have? I don't know. I didn't ever get tested. Yeah, but it was, it, it seemed like it everybody, it seemed like everyone I know in the last month, and it's not just here in the States, like people that I know that live in Europe, in the Middle East, in Australia, like one of my friends I was messaging her last night, she lives in New Zealand. She's sick. Everywhere in the world, people are yeah, sick. Right yeah, now. you know, I usually get the thing once a year, so I think hopefully that was my one and done. And you know, it's been a while since I actually was laid up, uh, but for the first time, I really couldn't even do a lot. You know, my throat was so bad, so I, I think it was more strep throat. But you know, I took a Z pack and I was recovered in about three days. And uh, you know, just being careful since then, I, I was unfortunate. To, um, I missed that appearance for Chris Lewis and. You know, I had a photo shoot lined up, so that was the first time in 30 years I've ever missed anything. I know I was I was going to say, I can never remember. <clears throat> I know you've missed it because of, like, uh, flights, and, like flights yeah. delayed or weather or something. Like, that's happened, but I can never think back to a time where you had to, you could not show up to an event because of an illness. Yeah, but you know what? Society was, they had, they had a little more... Um, leniency on people being sick at that point like it seems like now if you cough in public or yeah you know you're wheezing or whatever else people look at you sideways so yeah. people have their opinions and you know we're, we're going to a state which you know california is kind of a disaster right i mean yeah. it's they're very very strict about it it doesn't seem like you know vegas isn't um you know, I'm getting a lot of people hitting me up about like hey what's it like there you know because all over the world you know i, I hear from people um, and they're asking, you know, hey, what are your restrictions and this and that? And, and you know, I live in, like, my circle. Like, I go to an office and I go to the grocery store and whatever near me. And it doesn't seem like it's that restrictive. I mean, I'm, I'm following the respectful guidelines. But at the same time, like, I don't feel that we really have a lot of restrictions here. Like, they just had SHOT Show here and things are happening. So I think, you know, what I was saying to someone yesterday, you know, I did an interview um, because, you know, obviously the contest season is starting. And I said, you know, I think this will be the most explosive year for fitness and bodybuilding because I feel like everyone either has confidence that these shows are going to take place or they're just like, you know what, screw it. A lot of places are just like, we're just going to continue to run it. Yeah. They I know, don't want to, they don't want to cancel. Yeah. No, it, here in Vegas, it's weird. Like, even if you go into the casino, which I don't do, we went out, had dinner. Mm -hmm. Dan Salm was here for his birthday. And even when you walk into the casino, they'll say, here's a mask. And you'll say, yeah, okay, thank you. You put it in your pocket and no one says anything to you. Yeah. They just I mean, leave you see, alone. See, I'm not, I'm not arrogant like that. Like, I understand there's just there's mandates of, like, they're requesting. Yeah. So I'm not trying to stir up. I mean, I, I've kind of gotten over the thing. But like I told you, I'm not trying to put myself in positions where yeah. it's necessary for me to wear it. So I've resisted traveling as much. And remember, yeah. January, they were supposed to lift the mask mandate on the planes. I mentioned that yeah. not not happened yet because obviously this other variant supposedly is there, right? Yeah. Um, it seems like it's more of a flu than anything. I mean, it seems like everyone getting sick. I don't know. Like after nationals, everyone got sick that went down there. I went down there. I definitely had something come into my body, but I haven't been really sick in like 15 years. And whenever I feel like, like a, a little soreness in my throat or a little tightness in my chest, I always five times the vitamins and I take like a, a strict vitamin mm -hmm. regimen for as much as we travel, we have to keep our immune system higher. We'd be sick all the time and whatever, whatever came into my body, it never really transpired in anything sick, but I definitely know something came into me, but I don't know. 
It just yeah, I out. think I think being hidden away and not having the interaction because of the uh, quarantines and stuff it affects a lot of people, and that's why yeah. you're seeing a lot of people get sick. But you know, I'm just happy it's over. Uh, you know, I got back on track. I, I was careful coming back, and and the question is, is do you continue to train when you're sick? And and the the truth is, is yes, I always did. You know, I can't imagine how many Arnold Expos I went to or. You know, think about that time of year. It's like it's like the dead of winter, right, in Columbus. And I remember going there feeling sick and whatever else, but I had appearances to do. And no one, you know, I would tell people I'm not feeling that well um, if there was any comments like, hey, you don't look as, as ch- you know, chipper as normal or whatever else, which not I really wasn't because those expos, I was they were lengthy expos. But uh, I just always, you know, just sucked it up and went through it, uh, which now today – because society's turned into a little pussy atmosphere, <laughs> I feel like you can't go in there. And, no, and if act you're a if you're way. sniffled, people will yeah. stare at you. So, so you know, I, like I said, it's the world's kind of a messed up place at this point. And I was I always opinions. followed the rule of thumb: um, if you're sick from the neck up, train meaning sinuses, mm-hmm. congestion, but from the neck down, depending on how bad it is, if you push yourself too hard, it'll get worse. But that was always a rule of thumb. I, I never had time. I mean, even when I tore my bicep, you know, I was I had the surgery and like I was back in the gym within a week, you know, doing, you know, the other arm or training legs or, you know, obviously I couldn't do anything that the shoulders were kind of in rotation. But, you know, I, I was always right back at it. So I, I was never resistant to that. And, and to this day, you know, I found myself back in the gym doing a little cardio. I mean, I had to get the food back in because, you know, people don't eat a lot when they're sick, although... You know, I was only nauseous for a couple of days. Uh, but so my suggestion is always try to always try to at least force feed yourself, and uh, more importantly, get back to the gym as soon as you can. So when you started, so you stayed home for a couple of days, but then you you didn't like go to the gym gym, but you just went into your into your garage and you yeah. did a little cardio and walked outside. Yeah, and, and, and the fortunate thing for me <clears throat> is like you know I I said okay, I'm going to distance myself so I don't get anyone else sick. And I train at a lot of gyms that don't know. I go to times no one's actually in the gym. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, you are training by yourself. Yeah. And that's the, the uh, you know, the really cool thing about being in Las Vegas and having that option. I was talking about that on YouTube last night when I was shooting a, a video with Dave. And I was like, you know, I trained at Powerhouse. And, you know, you have so many EOSs and LVACs and, you know, Lift Factory near me, Kilo Club. And then you come down this way and you got Fit Club and Dragons and all that stuff. You have so many different options. I mean, literally, you could train for a month straight, I think, and not train at the same gym twice. Yeah. Uh, that's how crazy Vegas atmosphere has gotten. And, uh, you know, that allows you to, you know, stay away from people or whatever else. But we, we took a small break from, uh, you know, all the, all the discussions. You know, New Year's has come and gone. We're in 2022 now. New goals. Uh, a lot of people set new goals. We, we don't really have, like, the goal-setting thing, although – like I like to think of the year as like, okay, this is a fresh start. Um, you know, what's what's going to come of it, right? I mean, what are we re- looking forward to in 2022? Um, and I had a lot of people hit me up about business. Like, what's your business goal for 2022? And to be honest, I mean, it's just continuous growth. It, it's really hard to transition and think, well, I'm going to gather that much more overseas business because that's still a little um, stagnant because a lot of places are still closed. Uh, but business-wise, like you know, there's always new ventures and whatever else. I mean, I'm eyeing a couple things right now, but it's just focusing on what's successful 
and it basically any, anything that I brand is, is successful. So uh, my goal is just to continue with the trend and, and keep firing on all cylinders, you know. So do you want to continuously do the same things you're doing or are you like looking to venture into different things that are different from what you're it's doing? hard to say i mean it, it i could tell you today that you know i'm not interested in doing anything else but then something comes across in four days or a month and it looks exciting to me and and uh you know it's there's there's always opportunity but you know especially with with the markets the way they are you know meeting with my financial advisor and and talking about you know, a lot of the digital world and, and where the, the stock market's going. And, and, uh, you know, we talk about like even, you know, everything supply chain is weak right now. So cars are expensive and, and, uh, you know, just normal food items. Um, production is hard for a lot of the brands, which, you know, I've been able to stay ahead of that. I was, I was just going to say, so supply chain, um, is affecting everything in the world. And mm -hmm. you hear, and I know there's, you know, I know a lot of people that own supplement brands and a lot of these, these companies are, it's, it's like strangling them. But for some reason, you're not as affected as bad as some of these other brands are. Why do you think that is? You know, I have a really good supply chain person, meaning I have uh, a guy in place that, that stays ahead of ingredients and, you know, quality uh, control of what, what I'm kind of doing. So I think that is a plus plus my manufacturer, you know, I do a lot of stuff with, with Jay Wolf dynamic out in uh, North Carolina. He's really, really good at staying on top. And obviously I, you know, I'm making protein in California, but you know, remember I bought it, protein at a really good price in abundance. And although it destroyed my cash flow, mm -hmm. I was able to secure that so i did not have that issue and i wasn't scrambling because the price has gone up drastically and although i haven't like that hasn't spilled over to the consumer meaning i haven't raised my prices a lot uh that's kind of what i've done because obviously like you know i we plan on this ending right but i think the question is now is it going to you know is it is it going to continue i i, I think you know, we, we had dinner with someone, you know, the other night that's pretty tied into a lot of uh, manufacturing, easiest way to say it. And he said the people that he was talking to said a minimum of three years, mm -hmm. but most likely up to five years before when, when, the, when the world shut down for a certain period and then it only slowly started bringing the production back up, it's going to take three years to catch up to that production that they missed to get back there if nothing else happens, but then the world's growing more the population's going up. So the demand's becoming more and more. So that's where he said three to five years until they're able to catch back up. And this isn't just, that's just the industry he's in and he's in a very well-known industry, but he said, this is going to be all industries across the board. So who in the fitness world, just cause that's where we are, who in this fitness world is planning that far ahead saying, I need to make sure things are lined up in advance. So I don't run into these issues. Now, you know, it's, it's, it, you just wonder, cause on a big scale, like I feel like I'm on a bigger scale because I have production business, right? But what about the average consumer? Like the people that, you know, go to the grocery store, you know, they're, they're, you know, raising a family mm -hmm. and they have automobiles that are, you know, sufficient on gas and the gas prices go up and then, you know, they're trying to feed their children and then they have health insurance 
Um, and then the jobs, you know, aren't necessarily raising um, income to be able to, you know, really supply these people with the with the benefits of, you know, how hard they work. Yeah. You know, where does it, when does it really start to take a toll on those people? I think it already has. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, but there's a large portion of America um, and the world in general um, operates a paycheck to paycheck. And if you budget, I can think back to when I was a child, you know, we only had like less than $50 a month that was expendable for us. And if you now, because of inflation and supply chain issues, that $50 could get swallowed to where you might need 70 or $80 to do the same thing. So there's going to be a lot of people, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there already is. There's a lot of people that are getting, they're getting strangulated by this. And it's, I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. And I, I don't, I don't know the, the answer to, to fix those things, but it, it, it yeah, looks- but you have to make adjustments in your life. You know, I mean, it's it, one of those things that a lot of people talk about is like, you know, when you reach, I'm going to give an example of like a pro bodybuilder mm-hmm. with a contract, mm-hmm. right? We get spoiled with like automatic pay, meaning like, you know, when you sign a deal, for yeah. example, like when I signed with Joe Weider for, you know, five grand a month, you know, it was guaranteed and it was like a year to year contract, but I knew that that money was coming and, yeah. you know, I could create a budget based on that. Right. Yeah. But, and then that continues for year on end, you know, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you, your bodybuilding career is over. Mm-hmm. No one's giving you paychecks anymore. Mm-hmm. So you, you got into a certain lifestyle where, you know, either you sat on the couch and watched TV your job was to go to the gym and train. Your job was to eat, spend money to do that. Now you have to adjust, and a lot of people have a hard time adjusting going back and saying, okay, I need to actually earn this money in a different sense, yeah. You know, meaning I have to equate time a day, which I was spending training and eating, into you know, putting it towards you know, whatever your profession is, right, yeah. or, or waking up. So that's why I always... I always encourage everyone, you know, never get satisfied with the money you make. It doesn't matter what level it is. And I, and I have, I have that question arise to me often, like, why do you continue to do what you do? Mm-hmm. And I think we spoke about it on one of the things, well, my biggest fear is being broke. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I've just learned to never be satisfied. And I think that really comes from my, my upbringing and, being around my brothers and working in a family business because, you know, as successful as you, as you become, you know, you never can take that for granted. And I feel like I was blessed to be able to bodybuild and be paid with multiple endorsements, even still to this day. Like, I mean, you know, I'm more of a social media person than I am like a professional bodybuilder, like that kind of past is, it's been so long since I competed. I don't even think about really the competitions anymore. And I look at, you know, the opportunities and, you know, and branding and whatever else. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I look around and say, you know, do I really need to do this? Mm -hmm. But I continue to do it because, you know, it, it gives me number one, something to do, but number two, like for me, it's, it's just like leaving the mark, you know? Yeah. I think two two th- two things I want to say to what, what you were just talking about. I think one of the biggest things is not many people live within their means, you know, and, and you could be someone that's making 
$3,000 a month. And I hear this all the time. It doesn't matter at what scale. And if all of a sudden you're making $5,000 a month, people automatically go, well, I'm making 2,000 more. I need to get a bigger car. I need to get a nicer watch. I need to get a bigger TV. I need a bigger house. I need this. Instead of going, hey man, why don't I take that money and do something with it and help make 6,000 a month or seven or eight, but still live within my means. Sure, you can do things here and there and splurge, but so many people will get a, will make a certain amount of money and they'll look and go, well, I got this contract for two years. I'm getting $10,000 a month. And they live as someone who makes $10,000 a month. And then when their contract's up, they're screwed because they're not, they don't have that revenue coming and their yeah, bills are What if are their not. contract never ends? Well, you, could, you should still always live within your means. I've always, I've always felt this. You should always, your monthly bills, and this, and this is a, a luxury, but you should always keep your monthly bills lower than to what you can make in a week. So if something happens and you'd miss a paycheck or you miss, you know, money doesn't come in, you can still pay your bills. And I know not everybody can do that, but a lot of people could, but they don't, they just, they don't want to, they want to have their life at a certain level. Yeah, but I feel that some people uh, need the pressure of spending to be more successful. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I, I think if they're like that, this is just my opinion. I think that's a weak, a weak mindset. But you, you should you should be. But you got to live your life. That's, well, of you know. course. But I'll, I'll give you an example. If if someone right. makes five thousand dollars, you get a five thousand dollar bonus. Me knowing you, if you got a five thousand dollar bonus fifteen years ago, you wouldn't have went and bought a five thousand dollar purse or bought something crazy for a girlfriend or so. You wouldn't have spent it on that. You would have done something with it productive that could maybe make you a thousand dollars a month. You would have done something. Like yeah, see, I don't remember being um, in that situation. I mean, I, I told you in the beginning, mm -hmm. I had $20 a week to eat out. Mm -hmm. That was my extra. So there was a time. When you were real tight. Yeah, budget. so I, I, I had $20, but, dude, you could go eat for two people and spend 20 bucks. Oh, of course. Okay? Yeah. And that was a, no, that was, that was a chicken. Freaking happy. That was a, that. I'll tell you what the meal was every week. It was a piece of lasagna, which was like seven bucks. Uh -huh. It was huge, and then it was like a chicken fillet sandwich. Mm -hmm. That's what we would eat, and then have a you know a diet soda or whatever with it, and it was twenty dollars with a tip and everything. Yeah. So I remember those days, and then when I moved to California, and I was a six figure salary guy, I still only allowed myself to eat out once a week. But you could have easily ate out. Every meal, if you wanted, I could. Technically, but, but you could have afforded honest, it. To be honest, I mean, I was kind of strapped with cash, moving from coast to coast, yeah. and buying a bedroom set, buying a nice television, decorating a, up, a one yeah. bedroom apartment. You know, when you, you know, here I was. I spent fifteen dollars, a uh, fifteen thousand dollars on between you know couches, bedroom set, television, media, all that stuff because I didn't have anything. You know, you start scratch. Yeah, so. So I did spend money and then, you know, I slowly started to make more money mm -hmm. and that allowed me the freedom to be able to do that. So people used to say like, Hey man, like, why don't you spend more money? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is I was scared. Like you said, um, I didn't want to get too far ahead, but then it got to the point where, you know, the contract started to come in, the prize money started to come and the guest appearances started and, you know, for me, it was almost but like you routine. did. You did it, but even now, you're very successful. You 
you know, if, if your income got cut in half, would your life change? As far I mean, as how you live it, your life. It, it, it would change, but I wake up now more, and, and my mindset is this, like, okay, I'm 48. Mm-hmm. I need to, I need to live. Be healthy. But I know I need to live, like, meaning, like, the, the days of me grinding and trying to hustle, yeah, I, I, the hard grind is over for me. Like, I don't want to... You don't need to do it. No, I don't need to, but I I know how to work a little smarter now. So, yeah. like, we talk about with brands. Like, I'm not trying to go out there and sort new deals or chase, like, new oh. ventures. So, this, this conversation started with, like, yeah. what are your plans for 2022? And it's, like, continue with the, what I'm doing. Yeah. So, that, that control. means, yeah. So, if, if an opportunity comes about... Like you know, NFT projects or, um, you know, something with the cannabis where it's a branding thing, like coming out with a strain or whatever else, or launching new products, which we have new products launching. Those are things that new shows like the Boston Pro yeah. that we talk about, like adding more to the to the current menu. Yeah, that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, like not trying to. You know, Joe calls us up and has a deal for us. Yeah. Like to, on an outside source of business mm-hmm. that is an iffy, iffy thing. Like that's not something that I'm like, you super don't need to take the risk. About. Yeah. Th- there's less risks, if that makes sense. You know, years ago, I remember listening to an interview and this always stuck with me. Uh, T.I. did an interview and he was talking about his eldest daughter and she was, she was going off to college mm-hmm. and he's a very well known, wealthy guy. And she's like, Dad, I want this penthouse in this area. It's $3,000 a month. We can afford it. And he said to his daughter, no, I can afford it, but I can only afford it until I can't afford it anymore. And that resonated with me. People see the money coming in, and they know they can afford it, but they, they don't realize that that money might not be there forever. So you, gotta, you still got to live your life. But you still don't need to go above to where if a small thing happens in life or if something, if you take a small downtick, which we've all done, every one of us has taken a pay cut in our life or whatever, it shouldn't stress your life out that bad. I mean, you don't want it to happen. But when he made that comment, it made me, I think about that often. Okay, if, if, if I make another $1,000 a month, does that mean I should go spend 1000 more? No. I mean, that doesn't mean that you can't every once in a while go do something you enjoy, but just be smart with your money. And I, and, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people we know, they look at social media and they see people posting, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. And they feel that they, if they don't have that, that they're not successful or they're not happy in life. And I see that a lot. And well, I hear it a lot too. I think a lot of people look out for their children though too. Yes. Like that's something that I can't really speak on, right? Because I, I don't have any children. Yeah. I don't plan to have any children. So for... A lot of these yes. people that are building business, their concern is, okay, I need to concern myself with And the I children. can pass this to my kids. Yes. And then they're good. But it's also being a figurehead for your, and being a role model for your yes. children also, and, and trying to create like a great environment, right? Yeah. So I think that's, that's something that, you know, a lot of people look forward to, like, I want to build this for, you know, the generations. Yeah. So- you know, that's, that's where like a lot of people's concern is. And, and it should be. I mean, I don't, I don't have kids. I have nieces. I actually have a great nephew mm-hmm. and I don't have kids of my own, but yeah, I, 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 I can't speak on that. And when I, when I was traveling, 
you know, in my heyday, you know, what I notice now though, is the, the flights aren't as expensive. Like I just booked a couple to go to New York, um, for an event and, uh, you know, I thought the flights were going up tremendously, but it didn't wasn't too bad actually. The flight right. schedule and whatever else they may have canceled some flights or whatnot. But you know, when I was traveling every single week, mm-hmm. it seemed like you know that was it was a huge, huge income for you know fitness people to to, to attend these events, which I think it's Massive. becoming a little more scarce now. Yeah, for a couple reasons. I mean, I you're think. you're booking events, but is it is it as in abundance? Yes and no. Um, years ago, I think anyone who was kind of a top pro, there was always stuff going on for everybody. You were in a different category because you and Ronnie were le- legitimately booked 40-plus weekends out mm-hmm. of the year. It was, it was you had to budget in travel schedule every week with your life because that's what you, you had done. There's expos and stuff that happen now, but there's only certain people they go after. And they go after the people that they know are going to do the marketing, are going to draw a crowd, and they're going to see a ROI. You know, years. You know, you've never experienced this because no matter where you've gone, you you've always been an ROI. No matter no matter where you go, but there's a lot of people that have many world titles, have millions of followers on social media, and you bring them to an event, and they'll only post it one time, and they'll be difficult to work with, and they'll show up late. And these promoters talk to each other and they get, they get tired of it. So at some point, a lot of these expo promoters or show promoters that book guest appearances or guest posings, there's only a certain group of people they go after. Like if you wanted right now, you know right now, if we wanted, you could be booked every weekend. I know, but how does a new person become booked at these events? They Do need- they have to win? Do they have to be social media people? Do they, I mean, what makes someone's someone get it the phone call now they, they have to have a real value they have I know, to create but what's a the brand. value the value is if i book jay cutler to come to an event and i pay you say a thousand dollars to show up that i'm going to get a thousand dollars in return meaning you're going to promote the hell out of the event you're going to show up you're going to go above and beyond and your brand is strong enough to where people will drive to see you Otherwise, why am I bringing I know, you? but can you create that, or is that something that's just, yes. it takes time? It takes, it, it takes time, but you have to create it on your own. You can't expect somebody else to do it for you. You know, like, I'll give you an example. I'll, use, I'll give you two names, Cass Martin and Mike Rashid. Neither of them are pros. Neither of them have world titles, but they went to, for years, Mike grinded his ass off, and so did Cass. Every weekend, they I know, were but somewhere. what did they do in the background to make themselves popular besides? They did the, the content on social media. The, Mike Rashid did the YouTube videos. He's got his podcast. He did challenges. He was constantly out there in people's faces, and he built his and value And they look up. good, too, though, right? Yeah, but he had professional stuff. It wasn't just some, some sloppy work. He had a, a, a professional film guy with him everywhere he went. Cass did, she didn't have a professional film person like that, but she was every weekend we were somewhere, she was there too. I know, but she had to create the brand in order to get there. So what do you, what do you think it is? So like uh social media filming? starts. Filming you have to and be social behind media. a camera. You have yes. to be, you have, you have to, to film yourself like, working out. I'll give you an example. Like, like Regan's not Mr. Olympia right now. He has three pro wins. He's not the top guy out there. He gets as many requests as anyone in the industry. And it's because he's really good on social media. He will show up. He'll do the work. He'll post as much as is needed. Yurishna is not Miss Olympia. She she did three appearances last month. 
You know, there's people that don't do three. Yeah, but these top- are your people. So let's talk about people that aren't your people. Well, they're my people for a reason. I, I'm no. not sure of that. <laughs> but I mean, you're talking about people. You're talking. You know, you're trying to promote like, your like, own no, people. No. Like, but I'm saying, like, who else? Like, like there's more Walker. people that go to expos. Nick Nick Walker has created a good brand for himself. He does the YouTube videos, and and I don't work with Nick. He does the YouTube videos. He's on social media every day. He replies to people. He comments back to people. And he's built what a brand. What about Michael Hearn? Michael Hearn's the same way. He's Look, but Michael Hearn has 30 years, like you do, of yeah. being on magazine covers. And, and he's widely known. Yeah, but he's not an IFBB pro. He's not, but he has... He he's he's also done the social media stuff. He's got the YouTube channels. He filmed every day with all the top people. He went to all the expos, even when they weren't. Not every offer is a big offer. Sometimes, even even now, sometimes if if it's something that you or someone like Mike wants to go to, even if the numbers aren't where they were at one point, if they're a little bit less, you might take that and go. You know what? I need to be in front. But everyone front has different pants. demographics. What about Cali Muscle? He 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 did a lot. He he used to go to a lot more appearances. I haven't seen him. Uh, I haven't seen well, him by at a his lot choice, of though. I think. I think by his choice, but he's, but he's, he's another lot, one. He's a lot like he's, I am. He's, he's just refusing stuff. He's on social media every day, and it doesn't cost you anything to do it. You can yeah. be active. So every you, day. you're saying everyone needs to sit behind a camera. Everyone needs to make content. They need to make content is everything now. I mean, that's what's kept me alive. Yes. Content just being is. on social media and what's done it for outlets. you is is not just content. Look, you have you're you're on JTV on a regular basis. You're out on your storylines yeah, pretty much content, every day. Yeah. You got a podcast. You film with other people when they come to town. You find a way to stay in front of people. Another example is Dana Lynn Bailey. She hasn't done a show in what seven years, eight years, similar to you. Been every She's day about coming back though. She has, but. Every day they film some type of content, whether it's for DLB Daily, whether it's for Flag Nor Fail. Whether, every day there's some type of content that goes out. And if you're constantly putting out information and you're constantly putting stuff out that can help somebody, they're going to gravitate to you and they're going to buy your products. And if you do an appearance in our way, they're going to go, you know what? I want to meet this person. They've made a difference in my life. You know, so, so there's, you, you have to be super active. But if you're someone who does one post a week, and you do stuff here or there, and people have to ask you over and over and over to do stuff, mm-hmm. you don't have any value. I hate that. I'm just being a blunt. So you're basically telling people, get on your social media, get yeah. on your... It doesn't cost you, know, you anything. Get a YouTube channel. Yes. I mean, I've been saying that for years. Yes, get a YouTube channel. But you have to be comfortable in front of the camera. What if you're not comfortable in front of the camera? You got to train yourself. You got to you got to practice. You know, I have people that that I've had with brands, and they've told me I'm not comfortable, and I would tell them, hey. Here, I'm going to send this to you. Do this. Just send it to me. We're not going to post it online. Yeah, but send you don't me. even like to be behind a camera. I hate it. I hate it. But you, you know, refuse interviews for podcasts and whatever I, else, right? I don't. I don't like being on camera. I never have. I've been like this for you know 15 yeah. years. But I I know my my role. But I've done this because it's you and I, and you know I'll. It's but it's something I'm trying to become more comfortable with. Yeah. I get asked all the time to go on podcasts. I just say no. Like I don't. I don't really want to. But. Content is king, and if you if you don't do the content, somebody else is going to, and that person's going to blow up. How many people do we know? Like, take like a Bradley Martin. Has he ever even competed? Yeah, he has. Has he? I didn't know if he has yeah. or hasn't. But I think he's a pro. Is he? I have no idea. I think he's a pro men's physique guy. 
I have, I'm not sure. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't yeah, market it. He's got a great it, physique. But yeah. he's got a great physique, but he is constantly on the content, the YouTube podcast. He's good with a camera, though. He is. But he also, and like, he looks great. Like you do, and like Mike Rashid does, you guys don't just do your content, you go on other people's content, too. That grows your brand. So there's times where people will come in town and you'll message me and say, hey, so-and-so's coming in town. I'm going to film with him. He's a, he's a YouTuber or he's a TikToker yeah. or this or this. But there's a lot of other people that are trying to build their brand that won't make the time to do Very that. Very competitive, though. Yeah. But you find a way to stay in front of people, mm -hmm. and that matters. And I think the people that don't do that, they're selling themselves short. Are you no. still reaching out to try to uh, manage more people? No. I never, I haven't. I know, but do you only take the superstars or? I don't take anybody. It just, it's, it's everything's a, a, a unique situation. And, and for me, I've, I've spent many years kind of learning what works and what doesn't work. Like there's some superstar people in the industry that I'm sure if I wanted to work with them, I could, but I'm not trying to. You think people need a manager though, or people to someone to talk to? Companies. I think I think everybody should have someone in their corner that I they feel can like get the companies. From. I think the companies though do not like to speak to someone like you. Of course, because I'm going to make them be fair, and it's it's on their I side. Know, but you're calling, you're saying the companies are unfair. Some are, some are, some aren't. As long as it's as long as it's fair, we, we all know we all know people who have done deals, and you look at it and think, holy shit, this is. Terrible. I never liked someone else doing my deals for me though. Yeah, you're unique. You know, you will do your deal, but you'll bounce it off me and other people and we'll give our input. But just like, look, with even with anyone I work with, I don't make the decision for anybody. I'll go through it and say, here's the pros, here's the cons. This is your career. You need to tell me what you want. And if this is a direction you want to mm -hmm. go, I'm going to make sure that this direction that you're in the contract that you're taking care of properly, and I'm going to make sure it's, it's, it's done correctly but you, you need to make that decision. I've never made a decision for anyone, even you. How many times have I ever said, this is what you're doing, Jay? No. Yeah. Say, so here, here, this is in front of you. Do you want to do it, yes or no? And if you tell yeah, me Yeah, but no, I just say no now. To well, you say things. no to everything. Yeah. But, for, but, but, but if something comes along and I yeah. say, here it is, if it makes sense, you'll say, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I'll yeah. do it. You know? But, but there's, there's a lot of people out there, and, and it's, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, especially with athletes and with their coaches now. And there's a lot of athletes that that don't think for themselves. You know, when you'll say, hey, you know, are you doing this show? Or are you doing this or this? They'll go, well, I have to find out from my coach if I can. I'm like, you know, what do you mean you're going to find out from your coach if you can do this or what you're going to do? This is your career. You tell your coach what you're going to do, and your coach is – is to diet you and get you in shape for this. Now, just like a manager, they can give you some opinions and say, "Yeah, like you think certain people should be competing, and you don't agree if they sit out." You know, sometimes yeah, and sometimes those their coach will. And and this happens where a coach will have four or five people, and they'll strategically make sure their athletes don't go against each other. And and sometimes, I mean, sometimes the 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 reason is valid. But sometimes it's not valid and it's not good for that particular athlete, but it's good for the coach. And I think there needs to there needs to be more athletes need to take control of what they do. Do you think a coach should coach multiple people in the same contest, same division? I don't I don't have a problem with that. I I, I don't. 
I don't know if I agree with it. I'll say this. I, I can think see. I think it's a conflict. I, I I can see why it could be a. Con- it depends on the coach. I think some coaches are super professional, and they say, "Hey, I got Jay Cutler. I got Ronnie Coleman. I'm going to make Ronnie as best as he can be. I'm going to make Jay as best as he can be. They're both going to be the best they can be. Where they place is out of my hands. Mm-hmm. There are some coaches that can do that. There are some coaches that I think it is. It can be. You a know conflict. why I think it's a conflict. I'll tell you why I think it's a conflict because I feel like when someone say that the top guy has you're you're helping four people in this same like say for the Mr. Olympia, uh-huh. you know, and I'm winning. They they I feel that the the person that that kind of handles me and all the other people might look at it and say, okay, well I'm doing this with Jay. Let me try it with this person. Let me try it with that person. I understand right. That. Because there's certain protocol we all do, yeah. right? So let's start. There's certain, like, there's there's training protocol, mm-hmm. um, there's cardio protocol, there's drugs, there's food, yeah. right? So as you know, okay, none of us are medical experts. Yes. Okay, there's no one in bodybuilding that's a professional, top professional that's like a, like a doctor or someone that knows, okay, if I take this or I take that. That's, you know, so it's all trial and error, right? I mean, it's all like going by what so-and-so said. Yes. Right, which is crazy, right? There's, there's like, okay, well, if you take this, you know, you get more cut up or you take this, you have less water. There's certain protocols. No one really knows the right thing to do. Yeah. It's just kind of like hearsay of like, well, so-and-so did this and that's how it kind of carried over and here we are 30 years later, right? Mm-hmm. And- you know, we've learned that foods have made a dramatic difference. Yeah. I mean, people can't eat oat. Like I was a guy that like honey didn't like me eating oatmeal, which I ate all the way through with Chris Aceto, And then I switched to grits. Like this morning I had grits for breakfast. Yeah. It just digests different for me. And you wouldn't have known that if you wouldn't have switched. Coaches. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. So I would have stayed with it. I understand the that. Gluten bothers people's stomachs. So it's like, everyone's going to find their angle. But at yeah. the same time, like, I just think that, it is a little bit of, of a conflict because it's all trial and error through your whole career. There's no yeah. there's no one that could say, okay, I did the same exact thing every single show. I did the same cardio, same training, same weights, same protocols. It's always different. If you would have done all that, you would not be successful. You have to maneuver. No, I, I understand. I understand the, the argument. But on the outside, people used to say, why didn't you just go back to what you did? And, you know, a lot of us did that. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I looked great at this show. I'm going to yeah. try to go back to doing two hours of cardio and doing 50 grams of carbs on a low-carb yeah. day. And it just doesn't work yeah. over and over and over. And I think that with, with you know, with certain coaches, you know, they they take, like, it's it's almost automatic. Like, if someone's having great success, they're like, damn, that's working well for else. him. I'm going to pass it over to here. And I... I like I said, for me personally, it would be hard for me if I was a coach to have multiple people in the same division going against each but other. But no coach should make a decision on no. this is how you should do your – I mean, I, I think, you know, you know, like Phil Heath didn't compete in those Olympias mm-hmm. for how many years? I think two. Because Hani didn't want him to. Mm-hmm. But the question is, like, did Phil want to or in place 10th or – and he placed third in his first Mr. Olympia. 
Yeah. Do you agree with that? I, I I don't know the I don't know whose decision it was, but I would hope if Phil didn't want to, I would have hoped that that was his decision. I'm assuming it was. Hani probably gave him some input, but then hey, this is my advice, and you can take it or leave it. I even for me like. When I have multiple people in a show that I that I manage or work with, it's hard for me. And nothing I do affects their diet or whatever else. I just handle their business. But it be, you, but yeah, but you don't know what you think you know when, when it comes to bodybuilding. Yeah, because you never did it. Yeah, no, no, no. What, no, what I mean is, what I mean is, it's hard. So how the fuck can you give someone advice on how to eat? And no, no, train? no, no, no. I'm no, not, none of that. Not, that's not what so I'm talking business about. Only. I'm, I'm saying for me, it's hard. When I have two people in a show, it's hard for me as a manager because one of them's going to do better than the other and one of them I'm going to be excited for and then I'm going to be sad for this person. So it's hard for me, but nothing I do affects their, their, their prep or their, mm -hmm. I don't give them any of that advice. So as a coach, sometimes I think about that, like imagine if you had two guys in a show, one wins and one loses you got to be super excited for one, but then you're cheering for one. And at the same time, you're like, oh shit, my other guy lost. So it's got to be hard, mm -hmm. but I, I would have a hard time doing it. But some people can completely separate that and say, hey, I have a job to, to get people in shape and I'm going to put them in front of the judges at the best they can be. And the judges, you know, squared them out. I remember when uh, I think Chad Nichols talked about that. He had like a bunch of people in one Olympia like five or six people in that, that top level or the, or in the first call out. And he said, Hey, I just get them all in shape. But then let's just say you're an athlete and you have a coach that another guy looks better than you. Is it going to fuck with your head and go, man, did, did the coach do something different for him than me? Mm -hmm. You know? So that's tough. I mean, did, did in your career, did any coach ever dictate what you Shows you did or now nah, Chris Aceto advise he like he's like, you know I would like bounce stuff off of him like should I sit out like let's let's say two thousand to two thousand one you know should I compete and he's like you know just get bigger in the off season because he knew I needed to improve, so I think his opinion mattered to me. And but when he didn't I worked make the with, decision no, though no but when I worked with Chris like he was I, he only worked with me. Like, yeah. you know, I was the only one. And then I remember he came to me and said, you know, I want to help Victor Martinez. You know, I actually convinced him to work with Victor. Yeah. And he started working with Victor. But I had no fear of these guys catching up to me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I didn't fear yeah. that. And maybe that was just some arrogance. But, like, I always thought I was superior to everyone anyway. So it really didn't matter. Even when I worked with, you know, with Hani and it was like Phil and I, you know, one, yeah. two. Like, people would say, isn't that kind of a, you know, it's it's kind of a little controversial, don't you think? But like yeah. one was better than the other at certain times, and then of course Phil turned around and beat me. Um, I was towards the end and had an injury and whatever else, and you know I, I still think you know Phil looked amazing that year, but I think I would have been on point and been able to win you and secure another one. Yeah, you know, so. even if a lot of people thought in 2010 Phil could have taken it. It just wasn't his time yet, you know. Yeah. When when you're the champ, it's it's just you have that on your side. But when you, when you were so when you were competing, when did you? Because this is something I deal with now, where and I always have where where a certain time frame out, some sponsors still want people to do stuff. They still want to travel here, here, here. At what point did you say no, and why did you do that? I stopped um, usually 
you know, I had basically like contracts with guest appearances. So I would finish, I would do Steve Weinberger's show in early June with Ronnie Coleman. And then I would do Lonnie Teeper's West Coast Classic, which was like two weeks later, but it was California. It was close. I could drive. So it was always like the last guest posing member. We did Mannion show in May. And then early June, it was Ronnie and myself guest posing at the Bev Francis Atlantic States. Mm-hmm. And that would be the end. That was beginning of June? Yeah, beginning of June. And then I would do Lonnie's show, and that would put me at like 11, 12 weeks out, whatever. And that was just a drive. And that was a drive. So I was done, done by that point. Um, I refused everything after that unless it was in driving distance to California, whether it's a photo shoot or I used to do like Pete Ciccone 619 Muscle Bash in August. Yeah. But I would be, be hidden because, number one, back then we, we showed up places with our clothes off. Like we would guest pose, right? Yeah. Or if I showed up at a guest appearance, I wasn't a guy that wore a sweatshirt or I would wear a tank top, right? Because yeah. people come to flex the arms and all that stuff. So I tried to stay underground because people had a lot of judgment towards me. Like I didn't have a lot of veins, right? Yeah. That was one thing. I wasn't super vascular. It's like a so, thing. So, yeah, so people would be like, oh, Jay's not veiny. He's eight weeks out, you know, he's not in shape. You know, it just, my arms never really appeared super shredded. And, you know, that was one thing that always kind of bothered me a little bit, to be honest. Like my legs were shredded and, you know, I had great abs and I was lean always from the front more than anything. It's just my backside always came in last. But I mean, when I would go to an appearance, like I was big as hell but like I would always show my legs or my abs because those were the body parts that stood out the most. But the arms were never like that. Like they never yeah. really blew people away, right? So people judged me a lot based on pictures they had seen or or whatever else. Remember, it wasn't Instagram then; it was only like magazines. It was no, it was magazines, and then there was some media like it was YouTube and stuff. And- yeah, like it was things like that. So. Even when I'd show up at the at the press conference, you know, the forearms weren't all leaned out and everything, and people be like, oh, and, you know, my face never really got sucked down heavy. Yeah. So people would always be like, oh, Jay's not in condition, you know, and then obviously I'd take my clothes off. And I, I think, you know, in 09, the face was a little more chiseled yeah. in a couple of those contests. But, you know, I never really got – I was a lot bigger because I was competing with Ronnie. And, uh, you know, I just – I really, you know, people used to be judgmental about that, but I would shut it down, like basically say, hey, I'm not traveling across the country or doing anything. I would honestly never go overseas anyway, even at like the peak of my career. It just wasn't my thing. And, uh, you know, maybe once or twice a year I did like body power and FIBO or something once. But those were in April and May. Yeah. It wasn't, so, it wasn't contest no, shutdown. I, I didn't really do a so lot what, of So what the, the basic question is, what's the reason? Why would you... Because Shut I needed to get my food and I needed to train in the atmosphere that it did. It was so crucial for me to go to the gym and know exactly what bench press machines, dumbbells, the feel of everything. Mm-hmm. I had to have that routine. Yeah. It was very, very, very important for me to wake up at a time, get my cardio in, eat my food in the abundance that I did. Because eating out, you could not get... 12 to 16 ounces of meat and 100 grams of clean carbs. It just, it was impossible. And we didn't have food service then. Yeah. So we, when we had to pack our Tupperware, dude, it was like you had bags like full, like, you know, to fit, you know, 12 ounces of meat or whatever, or, or fish. You'd have a full cooler. Yeah. You'd have a full cooler. So for, for me, like, especially in the fish times, like eating a pound of fish every meal, like, 
you can't go get a pound of fish anywhere. Like, you're not going to a restaurant and ordering, like, you can order eight ounces of chicken breast, but you can't get a pound of white fish, right? And if they do, it's going to cost you And that's really what I, yeah, that's what I dieted on. So, or eating egg whites in the morning, eating 30 egg whites. Like, where am I going to get that? We weren't drinking egg whites necessarily back then. So You had to crack them yourself. Yeah, so if I had to go to a restaurant and order 30 egg whites, they'd be like, what the, you know, it'd be costing (laughs) me a fortune. Yeah. So I knew that I had to stay home and focus on the training and also the stress of traveling. If I got delayed and I missed a meal, like, dude, I did not miss. I did not miss meals. Like it was from 16 weeks down, it was fucking clockwork. And that's how I, I trained at full capacity every day. I trained at the same fucking time and I trained twice a day a lot. I would do cardio twice a day. So it was four sessions a day that I needed to be zoned in to do what I do. And if I had to go to an appearance or I was in traffic or like talking to someone, I just couldn't even deal with speaking to people. I remember. Like I just didn't even want to talk to anyone at all because I was so focused on that one goal. And remember that's, that was my bread and butter. Like that secured the contracts. It secured a revenue. It built what today you see. So if I wasn't as consistent and being second, 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 what if I would have fallen to sixth and then gone to third and, like you see that now with a lot of guys' career, that doesn't set the standard for the long-term legacy of what you did, right? Yeah. We can sit here and brag and say, "Man, I was top two in the world for twelve years straight." Yeah. Like who's done that, right? Yeah. And I didn't win ten Olympias, but I won four, and I was second six times. But that was a span over twelve years. I did that, and. It was the consistency that made me great, and it's the consistency today in all my business and matters. I still get up and do the same. I got up and did my cardio this morning, did my phone calls, ate a great breakfast, came down here, did, you know, I still have a sequence of how I do things. And I think people lack that now because of fucking social media. Yeah. Because they waste time on that phone, seeing what everyone else is doing, and and it fucks with your head and says, hey, I need to do this. Like, I need to live this How, life. So the way you are now, imagine 2005 Jay Cutler. Would you have been able to handle things the way you are now then? I mean, obviously you don't know, but just your opinion. Would you have been able to handle social media in that? Yeah, because I was still doing the DVDs. And I was, you know, I was doing all that stuff. I was doing the appearances. But the, but the was, DVDs was, no, I'm just saying once you shut it down. Like, you know, when you're 16 oh. weeks out, would it have been something where you would have said, okay, I need to budget one hour a day for social media, and maybe it's oh at yeah yeah six I o'clock I, at you night. Know, I would I would have I would have been you know you would have found a way I would have found a way to do to, it to, to incorporate to make, it to make the adjustment because one thing I I was always great at was the consistency, and number two, I wasn't fucking lazy. I didn't yeah. play video games. I didn't watch television, dude. I didn't even have the mindset to sit and watch a fucking movie. Yeah, I because I would think about twelve other things or think about how I was going to transition against Ronnie Coleman or you know, if Gunter was coming up or Dexter Jackson or Phil Heath or whoever else, like I had to envision myself 24 hours a day on what I was going to do to win. Yeah. And that's how I thought. So for me, you know, I had to take that when I took myself away from competitive bodybuilding and put it into my lifestyle and structure and and listen i'm in a very comfortable spot like there's not yeah. a lot of stress in my life but i'm a very easygoing like you know you've traveled with me and we've been in situations and i'm like well what the fuck are we gonna do you know 
where other people are like, oh my God, you know, you don't hear me lose my shit too much on too many things. I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's not life changing, right? And if something, and if, if someone's shit needs to get lost, you have me do it. <laughs> yeah, that's what's nice about, see, I, I'm smart enough now. Like one thing you're great at is, is traveling because like you like to do it. Yeah. And you've done it enough where the experience is better. So I just like, you notice when you go ch- check us in a hotel, mm-hmm. I'll sit in the corner. I don't even want to talk to the people. Yeah. Um, you know, when we have cars lined up to do appearances, you handle the appearance stuff with them. Yeah. I don't even want to like deal with like it makes it easier because up. at the end of the day, your job is to go to there show and up and make and, the fans happy. And I'm, I'm zoned in already. If we're doing a meet and greet, like I'm already like, okay, how am I going to handle this crowd? And how am I going to create conversation to the nervous people? How am I going to address the opening of this, like, because how many times we've gone to like a military and I've done the speeches or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, I try to zone in and, and do that that kind of that thinking process, you know, yeah. and it just makes it it makes it easier. But you know, we have a lot of stuff coming up right now. Yeah, um, the shows are kicking off. I am involved in the Boston Pro now, which is happening on March twelfth in Boston. So I, I like that because that's where it all started for you, and it's still and now going it's a pro on. show there. Yeah, and that's I mean. Awesome. You know, they're having, you know, first prize for the men's bodybuilding is 12500 in a in a Ford pickup truck. Ford F-150. Yep. And uh, which really is really, cool. yes, which is really awesome. I mean, men's physique is a $10,000 total prize. It's like seven grand for first. Um, man, Aaron Banks, he's was second at the Olympia. He's, he's all signed it. up to do yep. it. You know, we know Regan's in the bodybuilding Arishna's um, doing it. Arishna's doing it for wellness. I don't know if she. I, th- I think you're going to get a lot of. Missy Truscott just signed up for yep. the fitness. fitness. Um, you're going to have a lot of big names from the Arnold because it's a week after. They're it's a week right after. It. It's Boston. It's at the Sheridan Hotel. Uh, BostonPro.com is a website. We have Acon performing in a separate event, yeah. which is you know we talked about your relationship there. Um, so that's a little different. A little yeah. different. I mean, it's still kind of like, hmm, like. Where does that relate to a bodybuilding? But we talk about entertainment. Yeah. We talk about other activities, right? Um, It is, listen, it is March in Boston, Massachusetts. It's one of the most incredible cities to visit. There's there's a lot of history there. Yeah. Um, There is the North End, which is great to eat. You know, you're going to be in that vicinity. Um, But what you said is really, really cool because I started in Worcester, Mass., but I always say Boston, but the greats like Paul DeMeo, you know, Mike Matarazzo, yep. you know, Victor Terra, all those guys came out of that area. You know, Jose Raymond's still there. Still there. Yeah. Um, he carries the moniker of the Boston Mass, you know, so he's, you know, he's he's part of that that whole community. And it's just it's just really cool that this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, li- I like it that because obviously I see stuff going on behind the scenes and it it's cool that there's an event coming up that's thinking outside the box. And is really, like, really excited to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And it's got, it just so happens to be where it started for you. And now here you are coming back full circle. And Yeah, and I mean, Ronnie's going to be there. Yep. Phil Heath is going to be there. Flex Wheeler's going to be there. I it's going to be a great Tito show. Ortiz is coming. I mean. I'm sure they'll add more people. Yeah. Brandon Curry just came on to be an appearance, a meet and greet person. Yeah. He's not going to compete, but he's doing the Arnold the week prior, so. 
more than likely he. I'm surprised he didn't pre- want to snag that truck. He's our prediction. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, he's probably looking at the 200 grand from the auto. Hey, 200 grand in a truck. The but next you know, week I'm, I'm hoping Kuklo <laughs> comes over and competes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the winner, whoever wins the Arnold, probably won't want to go over there. Hey, and, a truck's a truck, and trucks are hard to get nowadays because yeah, yeah. of the supply chain. <laughs> yeah, so it's That's pretty cool to t- that Ford sponsored that and the you know, local Ford dealer. So we got that, and then the Arnold's a week before. And I mean, what? We're about six and a half weeks out, so we're going to so start fast. getting some. We're going to start hopefully start seeing more stuff come out, progress come out of the guys, and more pictures coming out. And I'm sure we'll do a Arnold Classic preview. Is it going to be the William Bonick uh, Brandon Curry showdown once again? Or are we going to see you know, someone sneak? In someone there? asked me yesterday, and I'm I never I'm not going to make a prediction because next next episode let's talk about the lineup because it's getting kind of to that. Okay, we'll just we'll we'll keep you know because I don't week. know who we're going to predict yet, but yeah, no, I, I think it's it's uh, is Brandon training in Kuwait right now? Yeah, I I will I'll say this: it's very hard to bet against Brandon. Because in the last three years, yeah, he's been he won the Arnold, he won the Olympia, and then he's got second and second. He's only lost to Big Rami, and he built beat Phil Heath in that second mm-hmm. year. So he's only lost to the reigning Mr. Olympia the last three years. You would assume he's the front runner. Besides him, it's kind of wide open. Like there, there's guys that that might get tenth place if they're off. That if they were absolutely peeled, could he get second? Yeah, I, I think, think Bonick has a good chance, though. He, he does. He does. But, hey, look, I mean, what did he get this year at the Olympia? Sixth, I think. Yeah, I mean, he plays behind yeah, Nick and Hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so they're, by, by guys seeing that, they're going, hey, like like you could take a Brett Wilkins where he got second to Hunter at Chicago, and in his mind he's probably like, well, Hunter's fourth in the world right now. If I got second to him, maybe I could beat all these other guys too. So there's got to be a confidence booster there. But there's a lot of, I think – I think it's going to be a very competitive, interesting Arnold, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to well, it. Well, I won it in 02, 3, and 4, which is pretty amazing. Yep. I won Hummer trucks, three Hummer trucks, and, uh, and you, you know, still a lot have of all cash three of them watches. sitting on top yeah. of your. Uh... <laughs> yeah, which is really, really cool. So, you know, I'm looking. I'm, I don't know. There's other shows, though. Is there other contests after that? Um, the next, I so think Australia is not happening, right? There's some in April. I forgot what shows there are in April, and then obviously May. You're gonna have a Steve show, uh, the New York Pro, and there, I think there's Indianapolis is like the week before. But Maybe. if I remember right, after those two shows, there's a little bit of a break. Okay, and then uh, and then the shows really ramp up. So this going into this year's Olympia, you know, obviously it looks like Nick Walker and uh, um, Hunter are sitting out. Obviously, you know, Rami's not going to compete, and the only other person in that top five that's competing is Brandon. Mm-hmm. So we're assuming that Nick and Hunter are going to do what they can to improve to hopefully move up ahead of some of those guys that were ahead of them. So we're looking forward to this year. You want to get some, get to some questions? Yeah. We don't have a lot of them. But uh, the first one will say, will Cutler Nutrition come out with a protein bar? Uh, never say never. What would it's, be not, it's not on, is it on my bucket list for 22? No. Yeah. And the only reason is we talked talk, spoke about this the other day is supply chain. Yeah. I know right now, like one of the the businesses that I'm not gonna say, but one of the businesses that makes bars is like way behind in production. Mm-hmm. But I think a bar I think a bar in this field 
is very competitive, but I think it's a little bit of luck of, you know, your marketing campaign. Yeah. Meaning like you have to market it the right way in order to do it correct. But I would look at, to be honest, I've looked more towards functional food than a bar. Yeah. Because there's a certain size bar that's, I would do it in if I did a bar. Um, I wouldn't go for these big, large bars anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of overrated a little bit, but I would look towards something that's kind of like a, like a hybrid or something, you know? Yeah. I've, I always, bars, it's just, to me, it's risky. It's kind of like coming out with an energy drink. There's 10,000 of them in that space. Yeah, we're, we have, um, we have low liners bars over here somewhere. They're really, these are really good. Yeah, they are. But there, there's, when you're, when you're coming out, in my opinion, when you're coming out with a bar, technically you're competing against like Snickers and stuff too. And I know it's not the same, but in some people's minds, some people's minds, they grab it, open it and eat it. So you're, you're competing against 10, you know, thousands and thousands of brands. But if you come out with a certain functional food, there might not be as many. Son's favorite candy bar. Anything with chocolate. Yeah. I was a Three Musketeers, honestly, growing up. I always like Kit Kat. I like that Three Musketeers, like the the whipped inside, the whipped, like, because it's like very light, right? So why don't you why don't you come out with Jay Cutler, the chocolate bar? Like a, just something for, just has nothing to do with fitness. Yeah. Just, let's just call it a pig bar. And we're just yeah. going to fucking make a big, fat, round yeah, pig. You never know. It'd you probably know. work. Jay, I work a busy schedule with work. It's hard for me to get down meals every three hours. Should I force extra meals down at night to make sure I get enough force, calories? Force feed yourself every two and a half, three hours. You cannot force feed extra meals at night to make up for your loss during the day. You need to eat on a sequence of every two and a half to three hours. You hear this, Jay Mac? Yeah. So you're you need on, how are you putting on your weight? I know, but do you eat like you think every hour, two hours, three hours? Okay, every two, I was at two hours. Yeah. So I eat every two hours, and I would eat by my clock. I've I've heard some people say like, "Oh, I missed a meal, so I'm gonna eat two before no, I go no, to bed." No. I'm like, you can't do that. No, no, it's, it doesn't. You work know, you way. can't like you can do that once in a, like you can have a, your cheat meal, and it will help your metabolism. But you can't do that on a consistent basis. You know, every two yeah. and a half, three hours. It says I listen. I listen on Spotify. I'm a business junkie. Would love to hear about Jay's businesses. What does he own? Are they LLC, C-Corps, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I have, you know, my main couple businesses, which is, you know, my my business that handles appearances, uh, you know, the websites uh, for uh-huh. not related to supplements. Supplements is a different website um, in LLC. So uh, those are my main businesses is like the bodybuilding side and then obviously the supplement business. And then the what falls in the bodybuilding side is like um, investments and other stuff too. It's under one. Of Those are probably more. most likely S corps because it's just you. Yeah. Right? It's just me. Yeah. yeah. Now what about like, uh, what if you have like, like a business partner? Um, I don't have, I have partners like a business partner, but I'm still, I have businesses that I have There's partners, partners in, in um, but I'm, still listed under an, a different LLC. I'm more of an investor. Okay. What do you think about business partners? I mean, it's, you know, you have to have the vision. I mean, sometimes like, you know, you feed off each other, but uh, you know, I'm a more of like a reserved um, rather than a shrewd business guy. 
Um, so sometimes someone that has their expertise is necessary to have success, right? Um, I, I don't like to do a lot of partnerships, like as far as business partners. Yeah. It's not my necessarily my thing because I have a certain vision and I work 24 hours. Yeah. And as you know, you know, that's been a little bit of frustration for me in business in general because people don't work around the clock and don't care as much as you, right? Um, even someone that owns a piece of something, you know, I'm, I, just, I, I'm very enthusiastic when it comes to business. I, I get that a lot where, you know, look, I'll, I'll, I'll message someone at two in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey, well, when you wake up, respond, because when, if it's on my mind and I want to deal with it, I don't want to go, oh, I'll talk to them. No, I'm going to send it right now. I don't call people that late, but, but there's uh, I've always, I've always, I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> like when you see like businesses that have multiple owners, I can't think, and, and I'm sure there are, but I can't think of any that have been around for like, let's say like a decade where they've had two partners and it worked out. Like usually there's something like one doesn't work as hard or one is a different vision or like it just seems better if like with Cutler Nutrition, for example, you are the owner. Mm-hmm. So no matter the direction it's going is solely on your desire and what you make it do. But if But if there was, say... I was a partner of, of Cutler Nutrition and I had and I owned half of it. You might not make that decision that you would do if it's just yours. And you might go, Oh, well, you know, maybe yeah, but I'm, won't I'm, make this. I I don't think there's I think people have their place and mm-hmm. you know, if I had like investors come in, obviously I would only look at investors that would bring a different uh positive, you know, uh projection to what I wanted to do, right? And no better know all like that's the thing. Yeah. I'm a little limited on, on, you know what I can actually do or my knowledge, right? So, and I admit that like I'm good at certain things, but you know to take things to another level, we talk about this all the time. You know, if the company didn't grow one bit from here forward, is but as long as it maintained, like I'm still, I'm still pretty proud of what what it does, You're right? Because. Yeah. I mean, I actually, you know, I, I make a difference in people's lives and yeah. it's positive, right? Yeah. I'd rather have it on a smaller scale positive than on a huge scale. And we talk about scale ups all the time, how far yeah. you want to take it. But like I told you, I'm not trying to create that much more um, chaos in my life. Yeah. And that's why, like, I'm very strategic on how I plan to do things. And I'm a little reserved. I'm a little conservative. Um, I'm not super aggressive because I don't need to be. I was a more aggressive 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, yeah. when I was going out there and, you know, I got into the real estate and all that stuff. And, and I just, I couldn't balance too many things because I was so dedicated to bodybuilding. And now, like I told you, like, I just, you know, for my life, I'm very comfortable with what I do. So, you know, a partner could work, but right now I'm very limited on, decision-making partners and what I do. Yeah. I've, I've invested in certain things and I'm not calling all the shots on certain, but I have confidence in, okay, those, those people help, yeah. you know, I've invested in it for a reason. Right. Yeah. I get it. So that's, that's, uh, episode 19. So, yeah. So, uh, so we'll be coming back with, um, episode 20. I can't believe it's been 20 episodes. Uh, you know, thank you guys for following along and make sure, um, you guys subscribe, make sure you like, uh, make sure you guys comment below if you have any comments about what we spoke about today. Yeah. 
Um, we did get into quite a bit with the athletes and yes. up and coming. Some of you guys that are up and coming, you know, you follow our podcast and want it. You want to break through in the fitness stuff. And what I can tell you today is like, you don't have to, like we spoke about win something, no. you know, but get vocal on your yes. social media in a positive way. Like, you know, the things that you think aren't maybe attractive to people are the things that, that mean the most, right? Mm-hmm. People want to see how it's done. People want to see how a lifestyle is lived and, and uh, you know, and we are going to watch people rise. You know, you're, yeah. we're going to be talking about in a year or two, totally different people, yeah. you know, that are going to be figureheads and whatever else. And it's all circumstance, but take advantage of the opportunity. And especially the, you know, the, the guys that are coming up now, you know, Jay's doing a lot of this stuff and he puts a lot of information out and he's put the blueprint out to how to be successful. It's right in front of you. And, and I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't see that. So I'm just coming right out and saying it. Jay has put the blueprint in front of you on how to be successful. That does You don't have to do it just like he did. But stay active. Stay in front of people. He hasn't competed in 10 years, and he's still in front of people. People like Dana Lynn are still in front of people. Mike, Michael Hearn still in front of people. So if these guys are doing this and they're 10 years removed – there's no reason you shouldn't be doing it because you can be that next voice that goes right to the top. But when you get there, you don't want to be that person that doesn't have that value behind them. Mm-hmm. And so just pay attention to what, what the people that are wildly successful in this industry that, that have had a successful career and have built a brand and are still successful beyond their competitive stage, the stage. Because we know a lot of people that have competed that are not successful when, they, when they're when they done. Mm-hmm. And they should be. And they probably didn't do the same things you did for whatever reason. But And I'm not saying that you have all the answers, but there's a blueprint there. You can take that blueprint. You can add on to it. You can change some things. But the foundation is there. So just really... Uh, yeah, just be true to that. yourself, man. Yeah. Just be true to yourself and find your path and uh, you know go after it, man. 2022, we're at it. So... Yep. All right, so so episode 19, guys, checking out, and uh, stay focused. We're up.